everyone. Welcome back to The Exploding Tire, episode six. Uh, we had a couple of weeks off there. Busy, busy stuff. <clears throat> was out of town for half of that and just busy, busy. But glad to be back. Glad to be talking Overwatch. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, since we last spoke, has it been that long? Have I given my true impressions of Moria yet? I don't know. Uh, Moria. Moira. Have I done that? If I haven't done that, let's do that now. Because I feel like I need to say something. I'm going to say right up front that from BlizzCon forward, I had real concerns about Moira as a player, as a character in the game. I didn't like her style so much, her general tone. I didn't really like how she looked. I didn't like how she felt and moved. I wasn't sure she'd be fun to play as a, as a support. And I just kind of had a bad attitude about her. I kept this mainly to myself. I didn't talk a lot about it on here or other shows. I just sort of kept it, you know, where I was. But man, once you get used to her and you get her stuff figured out, her kit is a freaking blast. I would say it takes a number of games, though, to get there. But once you get there, mmm. I mean, the thing I still kind of wish, even though I'm used to her now, I wish her right-hand and left-hand abilities were swapped. Because it stands right now, most characters in the game and most shooters in general, your main fire, like the thing you use to damage somebody, you would use your regular left finger or your your index finger or your left click on your mouse, right? And that to me makes perfect sense. When you move that over to the other side or when you go to the other side, the right hand click, that should be some sort of alternate fire. In the case of Moira, she's got healing where her fire should be and damage where her alternate should be. So I don't know why those are switched. I still don't really understand it. They've never said much about it, and I haven't heard much complaining except for me. Now, again, I'm totally used to it now, and it's fine. In fact, if they changed it back, it would probably annoy me because it would take a while to get to get used to. But those first few games, it was just like, great, I'm, I'm sort of trying to heal the enemy, and uh, right-clicking does nothing to my team because that's the damage uh, function uh, with her little weird little rays, and I can't do anything to them in a positive way. Uh, so I would keep forgetting and switching and it drove me slightly crazy. But this is among the list of things that, that Overwatch just does differently and goes against the typical gaming thinking. Uh, my buddy John called it the game's constitution. There's certain things you, just, you, you expect. For example, a green aura around Lucio should probably, in theory, not be speed boost. That should be healing. Green means healing. Yellow means speed. Now, I know green could mean green light and therefore go, right? So I, I get that there could be some confusion there. But I think you would have been in a better place had you had speed through some other color and green be your healing color. Now, again, we're all used to it. It's fine. We move on. Not that big a deal. Uh, there are other characters that do weird things like this as well. But it's fine. Let let Overwatch do Overwatch things and let them be who they're going to be, but that's the only complaint I really have. You can do some serious stuff. You can save games from losses with her, and all it takes is just the right <laughs> damage or being thrown through the right hallway with the right amount of enemy players in there all bunched up like idiots. Oh, it feels so good. Some would say she's a little OP. I would argue she's just fine the way she is, so let's not mess with her too much. Anyway, I know she's been out for a while now and, you know, she's kind of old news in terms of her newness or whatever. But, man, 
Can't get enough of Moira. Would like to be playing her right now. Oh, uh, in terms of who to watch out for when you're playing her, I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but her her kryptonite seems to be Tracer and Genji. As often is true of most characters. <laughs> Tracer and Genji, you know, they're such chaos magnets uh, wherever they go, and they do such backline damage that this is nothing new, but Moira in particular is kind of useless in the face of a good Tracer or Genji or both. So if you're looking for a way to kind of stop that, I got news for you. If you want to stop a good Moira, Tracer, Genji, those are the tools that should be in your belt. So here's a weird thing that came out. I think this is super weird. Uh, there's some analysts who have raised Activision Blizzard's rating. So their, their stock rating went up because they have two predictions. One, Diablo 4 is coming out. And the other is Overwatch 2 is coming out. And I saw that and went, bleh, 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 right? By 2020 is what they're predicting. It's a gold, Goldman Sachs analyst. Uh, they have raised Activision Blizzard's share. And they said again that this would be the year for it, or the uh, 2020 would be the year. Christopher Merwin is his name. He wrote in a note to clients on Tuesday, quote, we are raising our 2019 and 2020 estimates on account of robust multi-year pipeline of games, Diablo, Overwatch 2, and a Blizzard mobile title, which we don't think uh, street estimates, we don't think street, street estimates are fully taking into account, he says. Uh, street meaning Wall Street. Merwin also predicts that Diablo 4 will be released in 2019 and sell 15 million units. Uh, possible. That's possible. I could see a BlizzCon 2018 announcement for Diablo 4 and a release that fall. I could see that. Or the following fall, I should say. Anyway, that seems possible, but this whole Overwatch 2 being mentioned is weird to me. Overwatch is such a service now. It's not really a game I see a lot of sequels happening to, but I suppose it's possible. And they're making money hand over fist. That's pretty interesting, though, right? Imagine a uh, a sequel already in 2019. I remember the heady, heady days of when this thing was an alpha, and now suddenly they're talking about a sequel. I mean, this isn't Blizzard, so again, these are analysts making predictions based on information that may or may not be a little dubious. This is not Blizzard going to them and saying, hey, don't worry about us in 2020. We'll have a new uh, Overwatch on the market. Uh, I I don't know where they're getting their information, and they don't really share that. So who knows? Uh, since we last spoke, by the way, Blizzard did a cool thing. They gathered 113 of the best Overwatch players in a single room. Uh, did you guys hear about this or follow this? The average age of this group was 17 or 20 years old, roughly kind of in that range. Uh, and the idea was... They... Oh, by the way, the collective birth year for these people was like 1995 some years after Blizzard was formed. So think of that. Anyway, the whole idea of this thing was to teach them how to play nice in front of cameras and be a good PR presence in general. Part of Overwatch League's success will, hin will hinge on the player's abilities to not be terrible, right? Outside of the game, I mean. So... This may be the first time for many of them where their words and their face and their public-facing attitudes or whatever will be scrutinized to a, to a high degree. And the public audience and Blizzard to some degree expects some maturity and professionalism and all that stuff. So they had them out there. 
of course, Blizzard willing to do this, right? They flew them out. Uh, the Overwatch League, that is. So I guess the subsidiary of Blizzard. That's all Blizzard, whatever. Uh, to participate in a summit hosted by Blizzard to attempt to educate these uh, players of these leagues and these teams on some of the social pressures they will face in the upcoming year. Uh, topics discussed included code of conduct, league life expectations, streaming and social media policy, anti-cheating policy, streaming best practices for Twitch and other services, social media and best practices for Facebook, Instagram, and so on, and social media best practices for, yes, you guessed it, Twitter. I think this is a good idea. I think there's still going to be some weird stuff. That's just the way this stuff rolls. We've seen this in esports before. But uh, them them getting out in front of it like this not only gives Blizzard points in my mind, but also a little bit of plausible deniability in case something crazy happens. All right, let's talk about Jeff Kaplan's most recent uh, coming out and speaking to the folks about what's coming up in, in Overwatch. Now, this came out just before the month of December. We are now in December, and he was talking mostly about what was happening in the holiday update, the Winter Wonderland update. Uh, but I'm going to let him express more of that when it came to uh, the seasonal pass they made to the maps, because this is something I'm way into from an art perspective. So let's hear him out and see what he says. We did a seasonal pass to some of our maps. As you guys remember, in past years, we did a seasonal pass to King's Row and to Hanamura. Those will be returning for the holiday season, but we've also done a seasonal pass on the Black Forest Arena map. I think it's one of the most gorgeous jobs that our environmental artists have ever done. I was absolutely blown away when I saw the work that they had done, and we really hope that you enjoy that. Yeah, I think I do. Um, I'm a big fan when they they go in and make the world different for a holiday. Um, kind of wish other Blizzard games would follow suit. I know, you know, WoW does this to a degree. There's decorations and, you know, pumpkins out in front for the Halloween stuff and all that. But the world itself doesn't really take on any sort of new, uh, big, big changes, sweeping changes. And the Overwatch watch maps, especially last year, uh, it really stepped out in that way. And I like that a lot. So I'm happy to hear that and uh, see that, that they are working on that. But what matters more to most of you probably is what kind of gameplay can I expect out of the current event? He goes on to explain that. For this year's Winter Wonderland, there will be a new event featuring, yes, you guessed it, May, and it's called May's Yeti Hunt. So we really want to try something different and fun for this year's event. And it's the idea of what we call a boss fight. So you're going to play, one team is going to be six maze. It sounds like everybody's worst nightmare and no limits, right? Six maze coming at you against one single Yeti, also known as Winston sometimes. Um, so it's not a very fair fight in the fact that it's 6v1. Now, the Yeti is actually played by another player. It's not AI controlled. So when you queue up, you'll have the opportunity to pick I prefer to play as May, or I prefer to play as the Yeti. Obviously, the way the numbers work out, not everybody can always be the Yeti, so sometimes you're going to say, I prefer to play as the Yeti and end up as May. But if you stay in long enough, you will eventually get to play as Winston. The mode is, is really fun and different. It takes place in Nepal Village. It's spooky at first, where the team of Mays is actually trying to find Winston. 
And what Winston is doing is going around the map looking for power-ups, which are meat that fuels his primal rage. If he gets enough of that meat, he will go into primal rage mode, and then the tables turn. Once Winston is primal raged, the maze just have to escape. They can use their ice walls. Uh, May has a special ability in this mode where she can put down an ice trap. Um, and basically the idea is get away from Winston at all costs. If enough of the maze die, then the, the mode is over and Winston wins. All right. How many of you tried this? I haven't yet, but my kids have, and they think it's pretty good. I do have an argument, though, to make about the way Blizzard is handling and the way this team is handling special event content like this. I don't think it should go away. In other words, I understand a lot of it is experimental. I understand a lot of it is, you know, kind of throwaway fun ideas. The winter or the uh, summer game stuff with Lucio Ball was an example like that. That's not a mode I want to play all the time, but it was a nice little thing. Like, like he explains uh, later in the video, he talks a lot about how these are meant to be kind of fun one-offs, you know, not, not to be taken too seriously or whatever. And I get that. I totally get that. But it'd be cool if there was just like a playlist in the arcade that just sort of kept them all there. Is there any, I don't know what the downside of that would be. There might be some logistical server thing that I don't know about that would affect this, but what would be the harm in having the ability in July to just go say, you know what I'm in the mood for? Remember that weird May versus the Yeti thing? Can we go play that now? And you and your buddies go play. I mean, that seems pretty cool. By the way, you can queue up as six people in this mode. The idea being, if you have six of you, you're all playing together. This is probably the best way to play. Five of you will be Maze, and one of you will randomly be the Yeti. The next round, it will randomly be somebody else. Like That's the way to go. Um, if you're playing single-player queue stuff and you're playing on public, you know, in public games, you can say that you prefer to play the Yeti, and you may get it or you may not, but you will eventually get the Yeti. Other players who don't care so much about doing that will, will not prefer it and therefore will always be May. Anyway, it's an interesting balance, but I just wonder why these modes, including Junkenstein's Revenge, uh, first year and second year, why can't that just live there? And then you'd say, well, Scott, what about the actual... Halloween event. If it comes around next year, 2018, what are you going to do? I would say, well, either there's something new or they revisit that thing and tweak it and change it like they did last time. And now that's the new mode and it gets everybody back in there and playing it. Now, I, I understand the argument that there's a draw to doing these events when they're available and then when they're gone, they're gone. I understand that there is a, there's a side to this argument that I'm currently not making, but I personally wish all of these ideas stayed somewhere that they lived in there somewhere or that we could recreate them somehow and create, create a server mode or whatever. Just like saying, you know, may versus the Yeti or whatever it's called. That was really fun. Let's make our own version of that. All the maze have these abilities, you know, like give us more of that mutator stuff. And that might be enough to get me what I want. Just a thought. Love to hear your comments and thoughts. Scott at frogpants.com. If you have any, let's talk more about it. And you tell me why I'm wrong, because <laughs> I probably am. So I don't know if anyone saw this. I did. It was very brief. For the briefest of moments, you could see Tracer in the new Ready Player One trailer. Ready Player One, of course. Brand new movie coming out next year. 
directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, this is his pattern. He makes a serious movie, and then six months later, a, a goofball movie, or the other way around, but it's always been this way since, like, Jurassic Park. There was Jurassic Park, and the same year, uh, Schindler's List. Uh, in 98 or whatever it was, you had uh, Saving Private Ryan, and another one I can't think of. But it was more like a goofy one, right? So this is what he, and not goofy per se, but, you know, Munich and Minority Report. There's another good example. So uh, anyway, his his lighthearted, uh, broad audience effort here is this, his his uh, Washington Post drama, drama thing with uh, a bunch of really important actors. That's coming before. So here this thing comes based on the book. I read it. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. But I always felt it'd be, uh, it'd be a better movie than not has tons of uh, pop culture references in it in the book. The book is mainly pop culture references from the 80s, some early 90s, but it's like very much like the kind of stuff I grew up with. And uh, in the movie, they can't get all the rights to use all of that stuff. Even in a couple of cases that are actual Steven Spielberg references, they can't use because he doesn't own the rights to, to use them in there. Uh, so they have to dig a little deeper, and they've dug into video games. And lo and behold... Toward the tail end of this trailer, there's a huge, uh, like, cavalry of, of characters rushing uh, through the landscape, looking like they're about to take on a major fight. It's like a cavalry. And for a brief glimpse, you get to see right there on the front line, standing next to Street Fighter 2's Chun-Li, Tracer, right up in front, running with her guns, got her big blue light in her chest, big dumb goggles, the whole schmear. Straight up Tracer in there. There also seems to be some sort of orc. I think he's wow looking-ish. Uh, I saw some Draugr looking types from what I believe to be Skyrim. And Lara Croft just over Tracer's shoulder helping somebody. I can't tell who she's helping, but helping somebody get up who's injured. Anyway, Tracer coming to a theater near you. That's exciting. And I'll tell you what else is coming to you soon. That would be Jeff Kaplan hinting that there is a 27th character on the way and that we already have gotten hints for it. We just don't know it. He did say that Moira came out with little fanfare and not a lot of, well, everybody was surprised. Nobody really saw her coming, despite the fact that she may have made some small appearance in a comic or something. But Jeff Kaplan says a 27th character is coming. It will be a she. Uh, and that's it. He says, the surprise has already been hinted at, and that's all he'll say. I'd love to hear your guesses from another comic property or one of these comic books from uh, some other thing we've seen. My personal money is on Torbjorn's daughter from that uh, Reinhardt video, from the Reinhardt cinematic. I think she is prime suspect. Don't know what she would do or what her abilities would be or what her whole focus would be, but I really, really liked her as a character in that short and would like to know more about her. So if I'm picking, I had her name written down now. I can't find it. But if I was picking, it's Torbjorn's kid is who I'd like to see in here. She looks like a tough cookie and I'm interested in that. But beyond that, I'm sure there's a bunch of others. You guys are all sitting around thinking of them right now or going, hey, Scott, it's got to be this or that. I'd love to know. Scott at frogpants.com. Email me. Let me know. And we'll see if you're right. All right, we got your emails to get through. 
Specifically, this one from... Who's this from? White Fox SG. Seth is his real name. And I sent this to Scott at FrogPants.com. It says, hey, Scott, got a question about Overwatch and your exploding tire show. I've become a soccer fan in the last few years, and it's really something I like about soccer uh, that I think Overwatch League teams and esports in general would benefit from in supporter groups. So he's talking about supporter groups. They are super fans at soccer games, typically the ones singing, chanting, shouting, etc. the entire match and hyping up the rest of the crowd. Uh, for uh, us American folk here, this might be more akin to like, you know, Green Bay fans wearing the big cheese hats and having all the makeup on and all that stuff, right? Guys are really, really into that stuff. You might, I mean, I'm not going to call them plants because nobody's paying them to be there. But they kind of serve that purpose, right? They're, they're like a... Uh, you know, when a comedian's doing a special for TV, they pepper the the audience with people that laugh really loud. That's a common thing. Gets people in the mood to laugh. Or m- more close to video game stuff um, or tech, like when you have an Apple conference, you fill that stu- uh, stadium with a bunch of Apple employees or uh, Sony just had their PSX conference. That place is chock full of actual employees of Sony and they're yelling the loudest, clapping the loudest. It's that sort of idea. Anyway, uh, he says this. They would also build a community of passion, uh, and passionately promote the team outside of video games. With Overwatch League having some location-based teams, do you think this is a good idea? And how would you like to see it uh, translate online in esports? Thanks. Love the show. Uh, well, Seth, I agree with you. I think this has to happen naturally, though. Um, I don't think supporter groups or super fans or whatever you want to call them are going to... I don't think you can manufacture that. I think that if something builds up around the Miami team, for example, it's going to do that organically. Those players are going to, or those uh, uh, fans are going to coalesce and group up and create groups. And, you know, this is the perfect time to do that sort of thing. All it takes is, you know, a Discord channel and a, and a willingness, and pretty much you've got what you need. So if the league is exciting enough to have that kind of fandom around it, then it will happen naturally. I don't think that Blizzard can come in and make this artificially happen, nor do I think the team ownerships can do that either. But I've been wrong before, so maybe. But I, I, I don't know. I don't feel like this is the kind of thing you can force. It's like viral. You got to let it happen. And I actually think there's a high likelihood it will. Um, but a lot rides on these first, I don't know, these first, this first, first quarter of the year, of the new year, is going to be interesting for Overwatch League. I think that is when we will see what, what the hype train looks like. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Got one other message here from Jacob Frites, I think as I say it, F-R-I-T-E-S, Fritz maybe. Says, so, uh, is play of the game just for Junkrat and Torbs now? Just wondering. Well, Jacob, I sense a little sarcasm in your voice. Um, the answer is, <laughs> I, I mean, look, I admit it. I want, uh, most of the games I'm in, I yes, I see a lot of Junkrat and Torbjorn uh, plays of the game i'm not seeing a lot of mercy plays of the game anymore especially since uh she lost her group res that used to be a kind of a trigger for for a good uh, play of the game she doesn't really get those anymore it's very rare i see her get those and i like playing mercy a lot so it bums me out slightly uh you know even if your numbers are really good you get five stars you're still not getting play of the game so i don't know play of the game continues to be this thing that rubs me a little wrong i, I think it's it's never going to be a perfect system. They'd have to have super AI to really know what was an amazing player, what wasn't. 
And even then, the other team could argue that, no, that wasn't that great. Ours was better. Like, it's so subjective, and yet we're asking a computer to figure it out. Like, I don't know. It's complicated. But it's fine. Torbjorn, uh, Junkrat, they have, you know, pretty spectacular moments, and therefore they, along with Reaper and others, they get the, they get the limelight. And we're going to have to learn to be okay with it. Send your emails to scott at frogpants.com. All right, we're just about out of here. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. Uh, it's going to be a weird couple of weeks and not a lot of news either, so there may be some skipped episodes, but don't worry. It's not going anywhere. Don't unsub. Uh, we'll, we'll be back. i got some guest ideas coming up soon. got some cool stuff coming, so hang in there. Frogpants.com slash exploding tire. That's frogpants.com slash exploding tire. That's the website. You can find all our details there. And if you need to try to get a hold of me, uh, all that stuff's there. Again, the email address directly is scottofrogpants.com. And if you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash frogpants. Oh, it's that easy, is it? Yeah, it is. It's that easy. Patreon.com slash frogpants. And uh, we'd really appreciate that. Find us on Twitter at exploding tire. When the show goes up and all that kind of stuff, or there's interesting news or whatever, I will use that occasionally and type stuff right there. Thank you guys for joining me. We'll be back next week, possibly, maybe the week after. We'll see. The brand new show. Until then, take care and have fun in the game. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com.